0: You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho, 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 this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney.
1: We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life.
2: That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney Podcast. We are back after a short break. My name is Dave Berry, producer of the show, and I am joined by the Godfather himself, Mike Farrell, and Gorney, Adam Gorney out on the West Coast. Um, It's not a a lot to talk about, guys, but we have a few interesting things. We've got Larry Fedora talking about uh, CTE. Uh, We've got an interesting change or a surprising change uh, in the Ohio State uh, coaching realm. And then uh, Mike has ranked the top 10 coaches in college football on our site. You can read that right now. Let's see if you agree with him. See if Gorney agrees with him. We'll get to that later. But Mike, I'll let you start. I think we wanted to start with Larry Fedora and, and what he said at, at the ACC Media Day.
0: Yeah, and you know, when when you're talking about stuff like this, there is really nothing to talk about. The Media Day is, you know, it's typical boringness. It's it's the same essentially the same media predictions as you see every year. I don't think there's a big surprise in any of the media predictions. But then Larry Fedora comes out and says something which I agree with, honestly, that the, the game of football, you know, the way they're they're changing all the rules for CTE and concussions and all this other stuff, that we may not recognize it in 10 years. He said we won't recognize it in 10 years. And, um, you know, he, he pretty much said there wasn't any proof that CTE and football go together and all that stuff. And I know there's been scientific studies, um, and, and I'm not smart enough to know whether there's a correlation or there isn't a correlation. I mean, let the scientists figure that stuff out. Obviously, there seems to be a correlation. But I think the point he was making is, you know, we're taking this game and we're sort of watering it down, and we could be watching, I don't know if you guys watched the flag football competition on the NFL network which was arguably one of the most boring things I've ever seen in my life and we've all been to seven on seven tournaments and they're just they're not that exciting at all but you know eventually we may get rid of tackling and how could you have football without tackling so I, I think that's the point he was trying to make and everybody went crazy his athletic director had to come to his defense and all this other stuff but this is the way we are these days overreaction to something that I don't think was a big deal
1: um so the the new york times in 2017 did a study and 111 nfl brains were studied and 110 of them had cte so if you think football doesn't at least lead to this disease then i I just don't know what to tell you and i'm not going to listen to a football coach for my science expertise obviously there is some sort of connection between the sport and the disease and people have to make the determination if they're willing to risk their bodies to make millions of dollars and to feed their families for generations to come. And so for Larry Fedora to say that is stupid. It's completely off the wall and it goes against the it, it goes against all science explanation. It's almost like a president coming out and saying he doesn't believe in global warming, um, even though every scientist that is legitimate in the world believes in it and, and has proof that it's happening. So. I think Larry Fedora's comments were completely off the wall. He should stick to what he knows and in, the, in recent years has not known very much of football because his teams have been very average. Looks like it's going to be another average season in Chapel Hill. And uh, I don't think the game is changing that much. If we don't see kickoffs, is football really all that different in, in 10 years? Um, if we can, the, the best thing that we can do as a football community. Is make the game as safe as humanly possible um, and taking things out of the game while still allowing the violence of the game the hitting Mike we saw what those kids looked like in Atlanta three weeks ago they were grown men they're banging around hitting each other they look like MMA fighters in football uniforms so I don't think the game is changing all that much if you can't target someone's head if we take away kickoffs I'm perfectly fine with it I don't think we're anywhere near flag football
0: it's a slippery slope though you know you take away one thing then you take away the next thing and then you take away the next thing and you know then you just don't know what you have left um, i've seen a lot of changes of the game of football over the last 10 15 years you know when i watched the nfl you know guys used to be afraid of going over the middle and now they can do that without without worry because if they do get nailed obviously someone's going to get suspended and fined and you know can't do anything to to anybody and that's why all these records are being broken and all these guys who I think are average quarterbacks or above average quarterbacks are going to end up as Hall of Famers because they're putting up such big numbers and the defenses just can't they can't keep up so I guess it's one of those things where one side of the ball doesn't tackle the other side of the ball does and the advantage is now clear to the side that doesn't tackle sure um And that makes football to me a little less interesting and I do worry about the long term ramifications of making rule change after rule change after rule change because this is just the first one. And you can't say let's make football as safe as possible while keeping it the violent game we love, you know, or or whatever. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said there. Because if you make it as safe as possible, then nobody should hit anybody. Do you, period.
1: Do you, when you watch on Saturdays or Sundays, do you feel that that's not a violent game you're watching?
0: I think it's much less violent than the game I grew up on. Oh, and, and I'm not sitting here like, you know, uh, looking, you know, for a lion against a Roman gladiator and, and, and just <laughs> waiting for blood and you know looking for people to be concussed and knocked out and twitching and all that stuff, but. You know, as as a older individual, much older, much older, not, old, 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 much older. not, not a old, someone who grew up and watched the football in the seventies and the eighties, I see a different game. I, I definitely do. I see a different game in college. I see a different game in the NFL, um, and I think it's just too much of an advantage to the offensive side of things. So when people complain about the Big Twelve, you know, putting up fifty points and fifty-two to fifty games and stuff like that, what do you expect? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, there's some SEC games that are 49 to 46. Um, you know, it's just to me, the defense is at such a disadvantage now. And, and taking away, you know, again, kickoffs as an example is, you know, a, a disadvantage to a team that may be more physical than another football team.
1: I think there are too, there's too much money invested in this sport for it to change drastically over our lifetimes Um, In a hundred years, will soccer supplant football? Maybe, just like football supplanted boxing. Boxing used to be the biggest sport in this country, and now no one really cares about it. Um, And that that might change over generations, but certainly not during our lifetime. There's too much money involved in it from advertising dollars, from organizations, from teams, all the way down. You could talk to trainers in high school. Uh, I mean, it's just too much of a thing in this country to change drastically. And the game we were watching in the 80s when, you know, Lawrence Taylor was my, you know, when I was the, his biggest fan and I was a big Phil Simms fan and I loved the Giants, those linemen were 265, 270 pounds. Now they're 360s, said 370 pounds. It's a completely different game. Um, the players that were playing in the 80s hitting people didn't look like, you know, they were on Muscle and Fitness Magazine and they all do now. Um It was a slower game, and it looked more violent, but it probably wasn't. It was probably a lot less violent. Um, And so, uh, you know, does anyone watch the Big 12 and go, this is boring and it sucks to watch this? No, people love watching points being scored and teams going up and down the field. And if you trade a few vicious hits, if if you think that today's game should be a defensive end who weighs 290 pounds, should come off the edge and hit Tom Brady face mask to face mask, (laughs) like it was in the 80s then that's one point of view but certainly uh the game has changed from a physical standpoint and so you have to really kind of change the rules around it and and again i am not someone who says we should be only playing seven on seven and i definitely believe that it's a i love it i watch it every single second of my life it's a violent sport with a lot of violent hits and that should stay in the game and i think fewer kids playing football is actually a good thing because it weeds out a lot of the kids that would be prone to injury that don't belong on a football field but i don't see the game changing in such a drastic way that i don't recognize it from when i was a kid
0: well i'll just i'll just end it with this and i'm sure there's some people who have to agree with me out of our amazing 300 (laughs) 400 500 listeners it's the wussification of america it's just another example of the wussification of america so i'll leave it at that that's my final point i don't want to talk about it anymore Okay. Uh, you know, listen. I'm not pro concussion. I'm not pro CTE or anything <laughs> like that. You know, but I am pro, you know, football and pro, you know, knocking the snot out of somebody. And that's just the way we used to play and watch. And uh, you know, I still see it, but it's targeting thing and all this other stuff. It's just come on. Just let them play football. You know what you're signing up for when you enter a violent sport. If you don't, then you're an idiot. So. Wissification of America, that's it. So the media days, I know the Pac-12 hasn't started yet, right?
1: No, it's tomorrow. I'm fired up. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. You know, because look at it. I mean, okay, so Big 12, projected to win is who? Oklahoma. Shocking. The Big 10, projected to win is who?
1: Ohio State.
0: Shocking. The SEC, who's projected to win?
1: Alabama.
0: Uh, the ACC, who's projected to win? Clemson. So, what are we learning?
1: Nothing. And the coaches go there and don't say anything. And I think wow. it's just for reporters to get their preseason magazine and preseason articles out of the way, and you know, to get a free meal and to have a few drinks and to do all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's a complete waste of time.
0: It's a snooze, snooze fest. Yeah. But uh. You know, and you know, usually you do have somebody or one or two coaches that say something stupid or something inflammatory or whatever. And you know, the best we get is Larry Fedora talking about this. It's just, you know, there's nobody said anything stupid. Now, I did go last week, I think it was, or the week before. I went through the the five guys in each conference who are on the hottest seat, and I'm trying to remember who they were. Big Ten was Lovey Smith, and I got a lot of crap for that. Oh, he's on, he's on the hot seat for sure. A lot of people thought it should be Chris Ash, who's also on a hot seat, but his contract goes a little bit longer because he signed late. Um, Illinois projected to finish 14th, I believe, dead last in the Big Ten. I'm trying to think of who my ACC guy was.
1: Hold on, let me look at the hot standings. Seat
0: in the ACC. Yeah, it's not that easy. Hot seat on oh, I think the ACC. I, I put Fedora. I think I put Fedora. Yeah, I mean, Dino Babers... Could easily be on there, obviously, because they're not going anywhere or doing anything. Uh, but I thought I think I put Fedora because they've really regressed quite a bit.
1: Yes, they have. They are not a good football team, and I don't expect them to be very good this year either.
0: Who the heck was my SEC one? I'm trying to think.
1: SEC. It should probably have been.
0: Um, oh, I think Derek I put. Mason. A, good. I think I put Ed Orton around on there because uh, I think. You know, if they finish, what, projected to finish the fifth or something in the West? Yeah. Um, I think if that happens, they're going to realize they may have made a mistake in hiring him and maybe just cut him loose. And Even with the buyout, they don't seem to really worry too much about the buyout. But, um, but yeah, Derek Mason could certainly be on there. I mean, Vanderbilt was 1-7 in, in conference last year, I think. Um, but, I mean... Really, can you expect more than a five and seven season from Vanderbilt every year?
1: Well, well, let's talk about LSU really quickly. They open against Miami. That's going to be a very tough game. They have Auburn in Week Three at Auburn. They have, and then October they have at Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, who I think is maybe a top ten team in the country, and then Alabama. So by November third, what's their record going to be? I'd say it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, and six, maybe.
0: Oof, that would be ugly.
1: Yeah. Four and five, maybe be at good. best, five and four.
0: That would not be good. No. That would not be good at all. No. That's probably the reason why I put him on there. Yeah. And the, uh, the Big 12, I put Beatty.
1: Kingsbury. I
0: mean, yeah, but Beatty, I mean, he's gone. He's three and 33. <laughs> yeah, Beatty, Beatty,
1: is. yeah, Beatty is gone. I mean, three
0: and 33. And they're going to go one and 11 again this year or something similar to that. So you got to figure that he's going to be on there. Kingsbury is in trouble. You know, that they went to I think they went to a bowl last year. They finished six and seven. He saved his job a little bit last year, but he's in trouble. Um, but I don't know. You got to make a change at Kansas if they continue to go one and eleven every year. I think that's one and 11 three straight years. That's impressively bad. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so hard to do with the with the schedules. I mean, with the FCS scheduling and the cupcakes you can put in there, and then the Pac-12. Uh, who did I go with? I, I think I went with... Who the heck did I have gone with? So many new coaches.
1: Yeah, so, um... Uh, let's oh, see. I went with McIntyre, Colorado. Yeah, that's not a bad call. That's probably the only one, really, right now that's on the hot seat.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot. There's so many new coaches, and then there's your your, your Shaw's and Peterson's that are just leeches that are just locked in <clears throat> that aren't going to go anywhere. So that was a tougher one, too, but... As usual everybody complained about everything I wrote. Yeah. Um anytime you put a hot seat list together, I think last year I put Paul Johnson near the top of the ACC 1 and everybody freaked out. And they all think that Paul Johnson is a god at Georgia Tech and last year they went 5 and 6 and 4 and 4 in conference and I don't know, you know. I mean, they're just not going anywhere with with what he's doing on offense. Right. Um, you know, But can they find a better coach? I mean, that's the big question mark is if you fire him or you put yourself in a worse position.
1: And you're also uh, in a weird position there. If you fire him, then for at least two years, you got to weed out all of the option you know, quarterbacks and all that kind the of stuff. B,
0: the B-back. And all that other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, whoever ends up taking that over eventually will not be... Uh, you know, they were five and one at home and 0-4 on the road. You got to win on the road, so um, you know that was one of the things where I don't know. But people were upset about that. I'm trying to think of what else people were upset about. Oh, I did my overrated and underrated coaches last week. That's what I did last week. Mm. Um, now Gary Patterson is the most underrated coach in college football. And guess who was my most overrated coach? Jim Harbaugh. Yes. Yes. And guess how many people filled my twitter timeline with hatred and and, and just utter disrespect
1: well i mean they he finished third third and fourth in his first three years and an offense that's i think i think is seventh in the big 10 um you know they're only given i think they only gave up 18 points a game last year and they still finished fourth in their own division donovan people's jones former five star who we all love very phenomenal player no receiving touchdowns last year only 22 catches now how is that possible that you only get him the ball that few times especially with Tariq black off the field
0: yeah i don't know and their offense i guess in 2016 was the highest scoring offense but they did a lot of that against cupcakes um you know on the schedule and there are cupcakes on the schedule for sure you know that conference is very very difficult when you're playing ohio state penn state and michigan state but don't forget, you're playing Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers as well. Right. And those teams all are pretty horrible. Uh, and you know, I think they rang up. Didn't they ring up like sixty-six or seventy something points against Rutgers? Yes. Uh, that year. That was
1: two years ago. Yeah, they went to Rutgers yeah. and just they. I think it was like fifty-two nothing at half.
0: Something like that. And so you could pad your stats a little bit there, offensively in that division against those three horrible teams. But they didn't do it last year. They couldn't score on anybody and. You know, their defense, as you mentioned, gave up the second least of points in the division itself. Only Penn State had gave up uh, fewer points against, and uh, they still finished 8-5, and, and that's on the offense. I mean, look at, look at Ohio State put up 444 points. Uh, Penn State put up 358. Uh, Michigan put up 211
1: yeah and uh, that's
0: a huge difference
1: and I understand quarterbacks they were injured and they were going to a second and third string guy and John O'Corn isn't exactly you know Jim Kelly out there but in their five losses okay Michigan State was a 14-10 game in a monsoon I give them that they, they go to Penn State and lose 42-13 they go to Wisconsin and lose 24-10 Ohio State was 31-20 and then they blew the bowl game against South Carolina and only scored 19 points so this is not a team that's doesn't seem to be on the verge of exploding out there and, and being a national championship contender just yet.
0: No. The other overrated coaches I had on there, Lane Kiffin, even though he's not a Power 5 coach, I put him on there because he's been a failure at Tennessee and USC, even though he's doing well at FAU. But he's a good assistant coach. I don't think he's a very good head coach. Kirk Ferentz also drew a little bit of ire from the uh, Iowa fans, even though most of them – Spend 99% of their time complaining about him uh, and how um, really, you know, he's very, very what's the word I'm looking for? He's got conventional thinking. Yes. He's a very conservative coach. You know, it's it's not like you see Iowa doing a lot of things, you know, against Ohio State. That was kind of interesting to watch. But um, Mark Richt, I have at Miami. Uh, he's only finished first outright in his division four times in 17 years. Wow, it's pretty amazing to me when you're at Georgia and Miami, and then uh, Tom Herman at Texas, just because he's seven and six, and everybody's rating him so high based on the, um, you know, the the time he had at Houston.
1: I'm shocked uh, Iowa fans came
0: after you because they're they're a very pleasant. They are people. very nice. They're nice, <laughs> but some of them are on. I mean, it's Twitter. Yeah. You know, if I went on the if I went on the message board and said you know fairness is so overrated blah 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 that, that I'll be like well thank you thank you for stopping by it's Take amazing
1: me. that twitter is a bigger cesspool than a, than a <laughs> some message twitter board. <laughs> is the biggest cesspool on earth oh, a bigger
0: cesspool than any message board you could ever get on <clears throat> twitter is just the most depressing <laughs> thing on earth i mean if you put out an article doesn't matter what you say like put up today the top 10 coaches and we're going to talk about that nick sabins the number one coach in the country 50 people will come back and say he's not. Yeah, I know. You know, and it's like, how on earth can you possibly argue this? But that's just it. It's contrarian. Everybody just complaining about everything constantly. Uh, Gundy was one of my underrated coaches, as was Gary Patterson, so there's two from the Big 12. I had Dan Mullen from Florida. Um, I don't know if he's underrated anymore now that he's at Florida. You know, obviously he's taking a big job, so... People will consider him, you know, a little bit more when they consider top coaches if he has success there. D'Antonio at Michigan State constantly gets overshadowed by, you know, Meyer and Harbaugh and James Franklin. And then David Shaw at Stanford, who, you know, is isn't the greatest guy in the world, at least when it comes to people who like what we do for a living. But uh certainly is a good coach. I mean, seventy three and twenty two there, forty nine and fourteen in conference. So I don't think he gets a lot of the uh, respect that he deserves as well. So, but that went over like a like a lead balloon, yeah. Um, as usual, but you know, people people will read on it, they'll interact about it, they'll click on it, and then they'll tell you, you know, that you're oh, it's just clickbait. It's not clickbait. Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in Power Five. Period. It's it. There's nobody else. Right. Who who else could you possibly pick?
1: Let me go down the list of teams here just to make sure you're not missing anyone, Mike.
0: Yeah, good luck. In good power
1: luck. five.
0: Power five.
1: Let's see.
0: you going to go Dabo at Clemson? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, Petrino at Louisville? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's overrated a little bit, but not to the point of Parball All
1: right, I'm into the big 12.
0: Yeah, good luck there.
1: Nope, nobody there. That, nope. that reaches that level. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. No. Nope.
0: You're, you're just not going to find anybody. No, I'm not going to find me. anybody, and I'm wasting time. No. not finding anybody. You, you really are. You're just not. I mean, I, I just don't even know who's second. I, I put Kiffin there at second, but, you know, Ference in the Big Ten could be second. You can make the point of that. But with all the hype that has surrounded Jim Harbaugh, and I'm not discounting the Stanford years. He had a good run at Stanford, but he still never won anything at Stanford officially. Uh, and everybody says, "Well, he, he got his team to the Super Bowl and the A you know, uh, NFC Championship and all that stuff." I'm not talking about NFL stuff. Right. It's the reason why I put Chip Kelly in my top five for the top coaches today. And everybody freaked out about that and said, You're that's crazy, Chip Kelly." Chip Kelly's 46 and seven in college at Power Five college, not New Hampshire. 33 and three in conference. That's his record. That's very, very impressive. Now, he may have been a failure in the NFL, but that does not make him uh, you know, somebody who's a failure as a, as a college football coach. He's a highly successful college football coach. That record's going to take a little bit of a beating at UCLA, uh, obviously, until he gets his personnel together. But I just don't. The other thing, too, is like people were very upset. Jimbo Fisher wasn't on the overrated list. No. But guess who those people were? Yeah, Florida State fans. Exactly, and there are millions of them. Well, I like well, the you—he won you a national championship.
1: Six years, one, two, three, four. Six years at Ohio State. Urban is seventy-three and eight. Eight losses <laughs> in six years. Three years at Michigan. Harbaugh has eleven losses. <laughs> huh.
0: And that's why Urban's number two, and Jim Harbaugh did not make the top ten. And you know what? I I was guilty of overrating Jim Harbaugh as well. Last year when I did my list, I put him fifth. I had him as the fifth best coach in college football. And, you know, they went eight and five, and I know it was a rebuilding year. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL and stuff like that. But how long can you wait for him to beat Ohio State or to beat Michigan State or to finish higher than third in your own division? And So this year I think will be, you know, important. He's never going to get fired. So I don't think he has to worry about that. Uh, He's never going to be on the hot seat. But his national reputation, and it's not like I'm, you know, inventive in any way. I mean, didn't, uh, what's his name, Clay, is that his name, Clay Travis?
1: Clay Travis, yes.
0: Is that the guy from Tennessee? Yes. Um, I get him confused sometimes with, wasn't there a Clay on uh, American Idol? Randy Travis? No, no, this is a Clay on American Idol who ran for Clay
1: Clay Aiken.
0: Aiken, I get I get them confused because their names <laughs> similar. But he's he came out with a big article about Harbaugh being the most overrated coach in the history of college football about a year ago. So it's not like anything I'm saying is like a original. It's not copied, it's my opinion. Right. But everybody agrees, except for Michigan fans, that Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in college football. Everybody agrees there's nobody except for those people in Ann Arbor and around the country, and that's a big fan base. I mean, they are very, very rabid about it, but yeah, so let's go through the top ten. Number one, and we'll get to the Ohio State coaching change, I guess, in a second. That's not really, I mean, the only thing I wanted to mention about that, we'll get to that now, is is Brian Hartline is the new coach there, and I think he's going to do a really good job, and you know, if you read all the stuff about Zach Smith and the problems and I mean this was a move that had to be made yes Um, obviously Urban Meyer did not want to do this uh, if he could avoid it but you know there just comes a time where there's just too many incidents and too too much smoke and you know where there's smoke there's fire and domestic abuse and all that stuff you cannot play around with so um, he was a very good recruiting coordinator I thought he was a good wide receivers coach Um, you know I think he was a big part of their recruiting success, but I think Hartline's going to do a great job there.
1: Yeah, I agree. you got to get rid of him. There's no room for that, um, and Hartline will be just fine. I don't think Ohio State recruiting will take any negative turn here. The kids who want to go to Ohio State do want to play for their position coaches, but really they, they do want to play for Urban Meyer in that offense, and so I think they'll be just fine.
0: Hartline called me out. On something on Twitter when he was with the Browns, he called me an idiot for something. I can't remember <laughs> what it was.
1: When he was with the Browns, I just, I the, 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 the the thriving franchise of the Browns?
0: Yeah. I mentioned something about something, I don't remember what it was and I don't know. he he was pretty upset about it and he tweeted out and you know, yelled at me, and then a bunch of Browns fans called me a jerk, and all this other stuff, so <laughs> I can't remember really what it was that, that upset him, so But now he'll have to be a little bit more politically correct I would assume now that he's dealing with recruiting um, these 17-year-old and 16-year-old kids where if you say anything negative at all, they melt
1: Oh, you're like, hating, you're a hater
0: sh- They melt like sugar in the rain you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not pretty, so he's gonna have to take that truth serum and all those truth bombs he likes to drop and just throw them right out the window and tell everybody they're the best he's ever seen at their position and and then he'll just be fine because that's the way to recruit these days. So Nick Saban's number one, undisputed, no question about it, end of story. Urban Meyer's number two, no question about it, undisputed, number two. Dabo Swinney's number three, no question about it. Those were the easy ones. Those write themselves. Then it got a little difficult. I went with Jimbo Fisher at four, Texas A&M. He's won a national championship. I went with Chip Kelly at five, which was very unpopular. People think Chip Kelly sucks as a coach because of his NFL failure. Uh, I went Chris Peterson, Washington. Gary Patterson, TCU, which many people thought was way too high. But after another 10-win season last year, um, the guy just keeps proving to me that he does more with less than anybody else in the country, I think. Um, James Franklin, number eight. Kirby Smart, number nine. That was a tough one because he's only been there two seasons. But look at how power-packed they are. Went to the National Championship game. Recruiting is just off the hook. I mean, he's just done an amazing job. And then Mike Gundy was number ten. The biggest complaint so far is that um, D'Antonio didn't make the list for Michigan State.
1: Yeah, D'Antonio on the list. I think Gary Patterson is a little high at seven. and He does more with less, but that's a little bit of his own doing, right? He can't recruit that highest-level kid in Texas. Um, I know they don't want to exactly go to TCU. It's not the hottest bed no, of, of talent they to go can't, there.
0: They can't recruit against those monster programs.
1: Um, but They just can't. seven's a little high there. Um, I'm surprised. Let me see what where else I'm surprised. I think Kirby should actually be higher on the list. If you're talking about a guy really? who... Who's going to be a superstar in the coaching profession? Takes his team to the national championship, and you know, honestly, does blow it, blow the, blows the lead, and everybody would admit that in the second half. Um, but for him to do what he's done already, there coming into a uh, into a team that wasn't exactly stock full of talent for Mark Richt. I mean, it wasn't exactly the greatest situation that he was walking into, but it was a pretty good one. Um, for him to get there so quickly was impressive, and for him to handle the Eason to Fromm handoff, and then possibly a Fromm to Fields dual-rolled situation. It's going to be interesting. I thought he handled it really well um, to, to move Eason aside for Fromm, who was clearly the better quarterback and could take him to the national championship. I thought that was impressive. Two guys I think should be considered for this list, and both Pac-12 guys. David Shaw. Mike, David Shaw. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I'm doing my next 10. Oh, okay. I'm doing my next 10. Um for Thursday's three-point stance and I will say last year I had David Shaw number nine Um, so what made him drop out really to me it was Gary Patterson in the season that he had because he wasn't in my top ten last year and uh, Kirby smart yeah you know
1: David Shaw never a losing season in the in the Pac-12 which isn't necessarily all that hard not to do but uh, three Rose Bowls very impressive and forty-nine and fourteen, and then the other guy, the Rodney Dangerfield of coaching, Mike Clay Helton. Oh Clay Helton. Yeah,
0: please, that's not right.
1: Two seasons, tw- yeah. twenty-one and six. Yeah. Fifteen and three in the Pac-12, and a Rose Bowl victory over the vaunted Penn State Nittany Lions, which is never easy to do. And he's still on the hot seat. I mean, that's ridiculous.
0: I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you something and say this out loud. I don't know anything about coaching. I could do that at USC.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: I mean, every recruit is a four or five star. You got the entire state of California wanting to go there. You got every top quarterback wanting to go there. Um, the talent level is just off the hook and ridiculous. So I'm not impressed with 21 and 6. Just not. Um, and it's not like the Pac 12 is, you know, the. the the most power-packed conference out there. I think it's probably third or fourth. You know, I know. It, about
1: and going into this conference. year, it, it might be fifth because, you know, you look at USC as a national power and one of the schools, this and that, whatever else, Ohio State just crushed them on the line last year in the bowl game. I mean, basically had Sam Darnold on the ground every single play. Two years ago to open the season, Alabama just served them up really badly. So if if USC wants to talk like a top five, even a top ten program, they have to start – competing and winning those games and not just getting absolutely obliterated every time they play a national power like that
0: yeah i don't even see helton making the next 10 to be honest with you
1: see you're you're disrespecting someone who took his team to the cotton bowl in his second year went to the rose bowl and won it in his first year i mean what else can you possibly expect
0: i don't know but you got you got some other names on there i mean where do you put scott frost where do you put lincoln riley where do you put uh, then you got Bill Snyder at Kansas State. You got Mark Richt. Well, you're talking about overrated, but if, still should be top twenty coach.
1: Yeah, if you're talking about if you're talking about an easy, you know, conference schedule, let's look at Lincoln Riley. And I obviously I have a lot of respect for Oklahoma, and they're but they have it, you know, a, a catered role to the college football playoff. I mean, going to Kansas Brian and Kelly, Brian, Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly,
0: Dan Mullen. I mean, there's some good coaches in that next ten. So. How do you fit Clay Helton in there? That's um, why I'm surprised the, Mike
1: Gundy makes this list. Gary Patterson is probably a, a ten to twenty coach.
0: I had him eleven last year. I had uh I had Gundy in the I think I had Gundy in the top ten last year. I just don't think he gets the respect he deserves.
1: So what are you saying? Honestly. Lincoln Riley's the third best coach in the in the big big twelve?
0: Uh he's only had one season, so it's hard. You know, I mean it's not like If if we're five seasons in, I I think he's ahead of both Patterson and Gundy. But, you know, it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. He inherited a really good team with a Heisman Trophy winner.
1: You you would take Chip Kelly over Chris Peterson as a coach?
0: Mm, I want to see what he does at UCLA. But, yeah, if if he was at Oregon, you know, whatever, four or five years ago, playing against uh, Peterson in Washington, I would take Chip Kelly any day. Yeah. No, I, mean, I have no guy problem with it. He's just so inventive. His offense is so fast, and it just wears teams down. And that's why they they didn't lose very many games. And I think he could take care of a lot of people. It's it's not a tough list. It's not a it's not an easy list. And you know, they're just a combination of things. Like you know, last year I had Kyle Whittingham on the top twenty. I don't think that's going to be the case. And then Jim McElwain was my number eighteen coach. He ended up getting himself fired and, and wanted out. He, oh, yeah, he did, he did win the SEC East twice. I'd like um, to
1: see Paul Christ on this list. I mean, what he does yes. in terms of getting talent and then developing yeah. that into NFL players is amazing.
0: Yeah, and he never gets the respect. He could have been on my underrated list for sure because he just doesn't seem to get the respect that most people, uh, that he deserves anyways. I mean, if you look at any list out there, when you're talking about top 20 or top 25 coaches, you know, he's like 23. Yeah, that's crazy. No way. You know, it's, it's, and then you got guys like Cutcliffe. Where do you put him?
1: Yeah, also I mean, a he's, good he's question. He's Duke.
0: You know, I mean, I had him 20 last year. Where do you put Gus Melzon?
1: Also a very good there. question. Yeah, he's a right? good Where do you put Harbaugh? Would you put Harbaugh in your top 20 coaches?
0: See, gosh, that's an excellent question. I'm going to have to figure that out over the next, you know, couple days because it just I guess I think you do I think Jim Harbaugh is a very good coach I think he's definitely going to make the list I'm just looking at the guys last year that I had like Bill Schneider you can't drop him out Mark Rick belongs in there Bobby Petrino maybe doesn't belong in there I wasn't overly impressed with what they did this past season but Brian Kelly belongs in there Dan Dan Mullen I already mentioned as a underrated coach and I think he belongs in there you know, Malzahn, Cutcliffe, Chris. I mean, there's just so many of them. There's only room for 20. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'll follow it up with the five guys that came closest to making the 20 and, you know, save myself a little bit that way. I like Justin Fuente a lot. You know, where do you put Scott Frost? Where do you put Lincoln Riley? I mean, these are difficult questions. You know, Lincoln Riley's only coached one season. Scott Frost is like Tom Herman. He's coming from a, you know, non-Power 5 program where we had great success. What about Pat Fitzgerald,
1: but, a, a guy that has a now a, kind of a perennial top 25 team who it's a very difficult place to recruit to?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've never been overly impressed. Yeah. They're just not consistent enough. Yeah, And again, maybe I'm expecting too much out of Northwestern. I mean, again, it is has high academic standards, it's a very difficult place to recruit to, Um, you know, it's not on anybody's top five list when you're talking about four and five star kids uh, in Big Ten country. I don't know, I just, for some reason, I don't know, he's won eight bowl games in ten seasons, I mean, that's pretty good. And he's only lost, I think, um, he's, he's won six games. Or more in eight of those seasons as well. So I mean, he's he's another guy you got to consider. It's tough.
1: Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough list. Uh, one through five probably pretty easy, and then it gets kind of muddled from there.
0: One through three was easy, and then everything else sucked. Because putting Jimbo at number four is no lock. No. You know. No. I mean. You can make a case for a bunch of other guys. And then I really didn't know if Chip Kelly came back. That Now that Chip Kelly's back in college football, where the heck do I put him? Yeah. You know, that wasn't a problem I had last year on my list. Uh, but you got to respect what he did at Oregon. So If he can make I'm UCLA
1: a contender, if he can make UCLA consistently beat USC, uh, which I don't see happening, but um, he would have to probably be four at least. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, that, you know, I
0: think he can. I really do. I think it's it's not about, you know, the Jimmys and Joes with him as much as it's about the X's and O's and, and the system that he has there. I yeah. can see a much more talented USC team not being able to figure out how to stop UCLA in a couple of years. Not right away. You know, he's obviously inheriting a roster full of guys that don't seem to care about much of anything. Um, <laughs> but I think he's going to instill that. You know Oregon mentality and and that high tempo offense and people are gonna just have trouble figuring out how to stop it. He's just he's that good. Unless Oregon was a perfect storm, you know maybe it was. We're gonna find out. But I think they could be that team that that you know USC just seems to underachieve too much.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, no no doubt know. no doubt. I mean
0: obviously they didn't under Pete Carroll, but since then they've been a bunch of underachievers. So. So there, there's all the thrilling stuff that's going on at Rivals.com and on our front page. What's new with you, Dave Berry? I mean, you were on vacation. What's that like? That must be oh, nice. Oh, it must be
2: nice. Yeah. I was uh, I was fishing in the mountains of Montana.
0: Oh, my God. God,
2: that sounds so, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It was great. <laughs>
0: really? Well, Gordon, oh, yeah. you said must be nice. You went on vacation.
1: Yeah, I went back to Northeast Pennsylvania to see some friends. That was... That was very. Did you go relaxing. to South Carolina too? Yeah, so I went after the Five Star Challenge. I drove with my wife and one-year-old daughter from Atlanta to Myrtle Beach. Spent spent some time with my parents there. That was nice. Then we made a mistake. We drove from Myrtle Beach to Pennsylvania, and that was a two-day ordeal. What we That's should have stupid. probably done was just flew to Philly and then drove up to Northeast Pennsylvania. But I wanted to see the the Eastern Seaboard. But there wasn't much to see um no, especially with
0: a one-year-old screaming all the
1: time yeah so what we did was we had like an ipad in the back and put sesame street on and let her watch it the whole drive and now she's addicted to television much like her father which is not she good understands
0: sesame street and stuff
1: <laughs> oh yeah she's a gourney she's very very smart so
0: is there still a cookie monster
1: there is still a cookie monster there is there, there's some new characters which aren't that bad but cookie monster Isn't there is like still a there? salad
0: monster or something
1: no, no. veggie
0: veg, veggie monster
1: <laughs> oscar the grouch is still around he's my favorite i thought
0: they added a veggie monster i really did
1: no i don't think so not that i've known
0: are you sure
1: i don't watch it as closely as i probably should but all the same characters are still there so it's nice to see them but well, that's good. we I, hate we hate big worried. bird because he just complains all the time
0: no, I don't know what that's
1: like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Big Bird is uh, what's Mr. Snuffleupagus still there?
1: Yes. Uh, has but, he
0: been discovered yet? Is he still like a secret?
1: But not as much. He he is not he's not around as much. Big Bird isn't around as much. Uh, Grover isn't around as much, but uh, Oscar the Grouch is still around a lot. El- Elmo has taken a prominent role. I mean, he's oh. like the main character. I hate Elmo. Yeah, Elmo's Elmo's just, so
0: positive.
1: Yeah, he's he's a little too upbeat for my taste.
0: He's a he's like the Dave Berry of our staff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you're he's you're Big
2: Bird, positive. you're Big Bird. I'm Elmo. Who's Gorney?
0: No, I think I'm Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, yeah. you're Oscar
2: the Grouch. I'm not Big Bird because I no. Hate we've
0: Big got Bird. a couple. We've got a couple Big Birds. Yeah, I a won't few. name names, but we got a couple <laughs> Big Birds. Yeah. I, Big I don't Bird. I don't know what Gorney is. What Gorny is. What the hell's Gorney? I'm not
1: cookie monster.
2: Uh maybe you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could be a cookie monster. Right, you get winded walking up the stairs. Say, so. uh, two flights. Well, it is a lot of flights actually, so. <laughs> yeah. Alright, let's end this let's end this crap.
2: Alright, yeah, let's let's get out of here. I've got a like day. Important calls to be on. <laughs> oh. All right, well, let me just remind everybody our Twitter handles at Rivals Mike, at Real Dave Barry, and at Adam Gorney. We will see you all again next week.